Welcome to Word is Truth. We are continuing where we left off in our service. Uh, it is 6-27-2021, and we will continue with the thought of the week and prayer. At this time, we'll have the thought of the week. We discussed the quality of this new revelation from the spirit of truth. Next, we need to discuss the effects of this completeness to the body of truth. The phrase from our verse is important to this discussion. The spirit of truth will guide us into all the truth. For God to give us all the truth will enhance our relationship, yes, but it will also expand our knowledge and wisdom about God. Since this revelation is related to God's eternal purpose, we must see that plan as unfolding over the ages. We know this information was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This information unfolds God's eternal plan in successive ages. It seems we have the complete revelation with God's full disclosure in this age, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So now, all previous revelation must be seen in the light of this new revelation. For instance, the Old Testament constantly refers to a Messiah coming. The New Testament knows it is the Lord Jesus Christ and integrates that into all the previous revelation. So it is with this new revelation, we can now have God's complete revelation to man. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For surely, we know that in the Old Testament, God allowed us to look forward to the cross, and now we look back on the cross. It's all about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Surely he did die on the cross for all mankind. Simply believing on this, we too, and you too, can surely be saved eternally. At this time, we will have... Dwight, with prayer. Thank you very much, Bill. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and go right into it. So let us bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful, special opportunity that we have um, in using the latest technology to make this connection over hundreds of miles um, so that we can be with one another, knowing that we have this unity in Christ. And we want you to be with us, open the eye, help us to open the eyes of our heart to see how special and grand this news is, that we have been baptized into Christ and we share in his inheritance. And this is guaranteed. And we want to make sure that we listen intently for the truth that is told in our identity, our new identity, our completely new identity, and that we assimilate that not only in our minds, but in our hearts and our souls as well. Let us be an encouragement to one another in this word truth church, and let us also keep in mind that worldwide in the Christian church, the body of Christ, there are people who are one with us and we with that. And um, I would particularly pray for the livelihood of the people on this earth. There are disasters after disasters um, that we face, man-made, natural, uh, natural disasters, um, everything, even, even beyond the health of the body, just wearing out and getting out. There is so much more that um, is going on. This whole earth groans in the pains of childbirth. Um, but we ask you to keep those, um, keep those safe 
those who would seek you, those who would ponder in their hearts what these things mean and see that your work is behind all of us. And we pray that Jesus Christ would be with us and in us and the Holy Spirit would do his job and guide us into all truth. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Bill and Dwight. Appreciate that. We are going to continue where we left off last week. It is John chapter 16, and we'll just pick up in uh, John 16 so that we could just make sure we understand the context. We'll start at verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from what is what he will make known to you. He will receive from me what he will make known to you. So that's verse 15. We'd like to take our time and focus on that. You all have notes. In your notes, we have these words. We are privileged to be made aware of the Father's eternal purpose. We can say that because prior to this age, this information was kept hidden in God who created all things, Ephesians 3, 9. For various reasons, many are still not fully aware of this information, even though it is now available to to know. We are not only given the entire plan, but the details of how it is accomplished. We should know that we are given all the information For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. That's John 15, 15. As we read into this new information, we can find God's eternal purpose in creating all things. It is no secret why he is telling us this information. While it's certainly God's business, it is about us. It is one thing to read the Bible because we are learning about God himself. But now, with added emphasis, we are learning about what God has planned for us who are in Christ. So we are um, at John uh, 16, 15, which is really... uh, We're going to take a pause after this and get into some of the details of what happens after... Christ leaves, and, uh, you know, during that time, he's talking to, you know, but the conversation changes a bit after verse 15, and Christ's still giving them instructions, but he is sort of shifting his focus from the spirit of truth, and what he would do, and how he would do it, to some of the other details that are important as well. So we got this last verse, verse 15. It is not the last time we will talk about God the Holy Spirit. Just note, as the scripture brings up, as Jesus brings up uh, the person of the Spirit, and we will certainly go into the thought of it. But this is an opportunity for us uh, to go in and talk about the plan, talk about what Jesus is saying here. And because this is his point to make. And we're giving him his due uh, with our attention to the matter. So we'll, we'll look at this last phrase, all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So we'll dig into the first phrase, all that belongs to the Father is mine. So the Father has invested 
everything in Christ. Now, if you've looked, taken a look at the notes, if you looked in previously, you will see that there is a lot of scriptures here. And I, I'm just going to say, these scriptures have great meaning to us and great application. <clears throat> so the first one is in Colossians. And, and why I, I stopped to say that is because we can talk a long time about these scriptures. However, what we want to do is talk about the point that Christ is making regarding the scripture, at least in this study. Not to, it doesn't mean that we can't talk about the scripture objectively in its own context. We can. But as it relates to this context, that's what we want to talk about. And what I'm trying to say is I hope I don't get too bogged down because there's so much to talk about when we deal with these scriptures. I will do my best to stay on point. So the Father has invested everything in Christ Let's first look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. So it says in 2, Colossians 2, 2, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Now, I just got to pause for a second here to say, here the apostle is laying what is important and what we need in order to have the goal that is set before us. God wants this for us. Paul says my goal, Paul's goal is not just his alone. It's not his independently. His goal is the same goal as his teacher. And who is that? That's God the Holy Spirit. And who is that? That's Christ. If we speak of whatever the Spirit reveals, we're really speaking about what Christ Reveals because the Spirit is only taken from what is Christ and revealing it to us. So, for us to say, "Wow, the Spirit has told me that," either Christ has told us that, and because this is part of the much more information that He has to tell us, or Christ has already told us in the Gospels, and He says, "I'll remind you of the things that I've already said." So, when we talk about Paul's goal, really, it's the Lord's goal. This is what he wants for us. Is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Encouraged in heart means that we all have the same uh, proper motivation and that we are encouraged to think of the proper motivation in terms of love, our devotion and commitment to the Father's plan. So that's what it means, encouraging heart and united in love. It's our commitment, our devotion, our setting ourselves apart unto God for his special purposes, for what he wants to use us for in this world, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Now notice, this is while we're here on the battlefield. We can have the full riches of complete understanding. That's phenomenal that's amazing i mean that god would give us the full detail everything about things that we have no understanding of we need to, so we know that this is part of the mystery right he says in order that they may know the mystery of god namely christ now listen the mystery of god Name when he says namely Christ, he's not talking about salvation because for him to mention mystery and and then say it's namely Christ, he he is clearly telling us something about Christ that was not known to people in other generations as it is now known uh, through the Spirit of Truth. This is he's not just talking about the salvation work of Christ. He's talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit has baptized us all into the person of Christ. That's when it says the, uh, that they, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, because in Christ all of this happens, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when the Father invested all of this in Christ, 
this is part of when he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. So when we look at another way of seeing it from another angle, we're seeing that that all of these, uh, where it says that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. I mean, is it, can you say that that's less than in any way? <laughs> you can't. Or if somebody says, I'm going to give you the full riches of complete understanding, you're expecting to get everything there is, all the detail that you could possibly know that there is, you're going to get it. And, and, and God wants us to know this. And, and what is it? It's the mystery. It's not salvation. It's not related to salvation. But then he says they're hidden. This is where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. So God, when he says that all the treasures are hidden, he's talking about the fact that the eternal purpose of God is accomplished in Christ. And the eternal purpose of God is all of God's thoughts, his intentions, and not only the thoughts that he planned before he before time began, before creation, but how he has executed and is bringing about what his thoughts were in time. That's what people in the world didn't know. That's what Israel didn't know. God hid that, and now he's telling us all what it is. All in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we have everything in Christ. There is literally nothing that we can think about that is being held back from us when God has given us this. When Christ says all that belongs to the Father's mind, he means it. Everything. And I want you to look at verse 9 and 10 as well in this regard. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Now, that is a deep statement. We're going to talk a lot about what is here. But the fullness of deity. First of all, you don't have something less if you think about who is Christ, is Christ deity? And the answer is yes. And we're not just talking about um, the the word that was with God from eternity past, and be, and you know he became flesh. We're not just talking about the word from that perspective. We we know God has in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We know who, who God is. That, and nobody would, would say, well, does God have deity? Nobody would say that. Because everybody knows a God. <laughs> and that is, when you speak of God, it's almost a synonymous term to say deity. Well, this statement that Paul is making, first of all, you wouldn't even have to make this statement if you're just talking about God. We, we, we don't want to say in God the fullness of deity dwells because that's redundant. For, for Paul to make this statement, fullness of deity lives, is present and active in bodily form. So in the person of Christ, in all that he is, because we know Christ has two natures. He, he occupy, One person occupies two natures. And he's saying that that one person, in that one person, the fullness of deity lives. So you could say, okay, so God uh, sent his son into the world. Who is he? What is he? You could say that. What Paul is saying here, about the person of Christ with his obvious you know he has humanity and he has deity Paul he's not talking about his humanity he's talking uh, I'm sorry he's not talking about his deity he's talking about his humanity here his divine side he's talking about the humanity part of him and he says the fullness of deity lives there it's in Christ now 
all the stuff we talked about in 2 and 3, Colossians 2.2 2 and 2.3, 2, you might wonder if, well, okay, in Christ, the person of Christ, you know, God invested all this stuff, right? Everything, all these treasures and wisdom and knowledge. What, I mean, what does that make Christ? And then when you read verse 9, in Christ, all the fullness of deity. And you don't even have to know what the fullness of deity is. But one thing you know <laughs> is God. The full, Whatever God is, it's the sum total of who God is, is in Christ. In bodily form. So, I spoke enough about that. Let's look at verse 10. And... More than that, in Christ, you have been given or brought to fullness. Now, we, so whatever this is in Christ, we didn't have it because it says we've been brought to it. So we didn't have it before. But whatever it is, whatever this fullness is, we have it too. Because of our being in Christ. Now, take a breath. Just take a breath. This is, I have to say, I did when I was looking at this and I just said, look, whatever this fullness, look, for, for, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Well, if Paul had just said that and moved on, that'd been one thing. But no, he says in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So whoever Christ is, fullness of deity. Whoever you are, fullness of deity. You've been brought to fullness. Now all this is in Christ. In Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness as well. I don't know what you're going to say about that. I really don't. I just sit back and wonder. I know what I'm saying about it. I'm saying exactly what the scripture's saying. Yeah, we have deity in the person of Christ. We have, we are, by virtue of the fact that we've been united to the person of Christ, we have deity. So, Christ is saying, all that belongs to the Father is mine. We might say, after looking at this verse, all that belongs to the Father is ours. That's what we might say. I know a lot of people will probably think about my first 10 minutes here and say, well, he's just committed blasphemy. Let's get the best stones we can to dispense of this guy. Because some of the things he's saying, totally off the rails. I get it. And you need to see them as off the rails because we're not talking about things about human beings understand. About what they understand. God, he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Neither has it entered in the heart of man. So what do you think they're going to say about it when they hear it? Just like it says in the context. They're going to say it's foolishness. Well, permit me to, to indulge in a bit of foolishness with you here. Because that's what it is. That's the way you look at it. I'm looking at it as the word of God. I'm looking at it as the destiny that God has has planned for me from eternity past. Am I ashamed of it? Absolutely not. I'm going to walk worthy of this calling that I have received. I don't know what else this could mean. <laughs> you tell me. You suggest what you think it could mean. And then we'll talk about it. But until then, I'm going to, meet, I'm going to follow what I'm led to, to and what I see here. Is that Christ, in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. What fullness are we talking about? The same fullness that's in Christ. Fullness of deity in bodily form. I don't know what else to say. Like I said, we could get caught up in some of this stuff. And forgive me if I do. And I'm sorry but we got to we got to talk about it i can't just let it go when christ says all that belongs to the father's mind what do you mean all 
well, we need to talk about all. And we just did. We just did. Point B, let's move on. Christ is the original son and stands to inherit all from the Father. So let's, we dig, we're digging into this son analogy. Right? Really, I think it's really son. If the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, where do we get these names, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? I think it's all about teaching and training us to, help, to understand the plan. So the Son stands in the position of, of Son. Or Christ stands in the position of Son. Let's read some scriptures quickly, just so we can help establish how Christ understood this. And what it says here, John three thirty five is our first scripture. It says the Father loves the Son, and has placed everything in His hands. So this is not so. When we we <laughs> we talked about what the love means when the person is granting somebody something, uh, and here it is the same thing. He has placed everything in His hands. Not only all power and authority and with treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the fullness of deity. I could go on. All the stuff that we just talked about today. He placed everything in his hands. That, to me, uh, where, where it's a part of the plan. Love here means not just he just loves them, but he, his motivation was to fulfill his plan, and his motivation was to point to Christ to do it. Says Christ, I'm choosing you to fulfill my purposes. This is love between the Father and the Son. <coughs> so here's Father loves the Son. Well, okay, what's the result? He has placed everything in His hands. As a result of His love, He has placed everything in His hands. So, and then there's John uh, thirteen three. We'll move quickly. I know I could talk a lot about it, but we won't. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew this. It wasn't like Jesus, oh, hey, uh, so you just gave me everything? He already knew that that was the plan. He knew why he was on earth, why, why he was executing the plan that he was uh, here for. John 17 and two, he says, for you granted him, a, he's, now Jesus is talking about himself, but he's praying to the Father. For you have grant, you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. So here is this authority. And then verse 10, look at verse 10, that's 1710. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. Here we're talking about mutual possession. Christ was open to the Father. Everything he was in terms of his bodily form was open to the Father for the Father's purposes. That's, and then in turn, you know, uh, everything that had that the Father had became Christ. So for Christ to be in this position, where he inherits all things from the Father, is an open book. It's like what we would call mutual possession. Mutual possession is that you allow God to possess you while at the same time you possess everything he has, just like he possesses everything you have. So, so that we, we've talked about that in terms of our dynamic spiritual life. But now you're seeing Christ talk about it. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Why through them? Because it's the Father's plan to bring many sons into glory. Christ is the focal point of how he will do that. Not just that fact that he, he's going to do it, but how he's going to do it is through the person of Christ. And then uh, Matthew eleven twenty seven. we'll just read a couple more. Uh, whether we hopefully... Uh, well, I'm going to read as many as we can. 11.27, all things have been committed to me by my Father. Now, when I look at this, these are all-inclusive statements. I mean, this is it. This is literally the Son inheriting 
everything from the Father. When we say, when we use this type of analogy to say that, what we're saying is that the whole plan of the Father from eternity past, the eternal purpose of the Father, rests on the Son. I mean, this is not only the Son, because the Father is the one that planned it. The Son is the one who's executing that plan. But not just the Son, but the Holy Spirit as well, because without the Spirit, no one will be baptized into the body of Christ. It, 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 that's part of his execution. We'll talk about that later. So, Matthew 27, uh, and then Matthew 28, the next, uh, wait a minute, hold on, am I right? Yes, Matthew 28, 18. Here, this is a common scripture. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, wait a minute. Jesus, are you talking about the one who was born uh, from Mary and Joseph? You mean the one who was raised as a carpenter? The one we know, Jesus, the man? Listen to what he's saying here. All authority in heaven and on earth. So in heaven too? Yes. <laughs> yes. When Jesus says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. So Jesus is saying here, all authority in heaven and earth. But he's not saying he always had it. He's saying, has been given to me. So he's not talking about himself as God here. Because obviously as God, all things are of him. And not one thing has been made that is not of him or from him. But as the man, Christ Jesus, as the new person that he is, that fulfills the eternal purpose of God. That person who resides over two natures is the person we're talking about now. He's forever changed. He's never going to be the same again. That person now has two natures, not one. He will forever have two natures. He's forever changed. Now, his deity is not... Now, he's changed, but he's not changed. for Because his deity doesn't change. Right? He can't make changes to the divine nature at all. But he has also adopted humanity. And in Christ, right, the Holy Spirit, the work, which is according to the plan, has united us to that person. We're not united to the deity of Christ. We're not united necessarily to the humanity of Christ. We're united to the person of Christ who has authority over both natures. So that makes the difference. This stuff takes some thinking about. I know. Take your time with it. So then, um, Ephesians 1.10 is God's intention. We're all talking, we're, we're talking about the plan here. Ephesians 1.10. To be... Oh, well, I should read 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Now, I know I could say Ephesians 3.2. I could say Ephesians 3.2 among our congregation. Surely, here it is, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Because not only do you all know that scripture, but you all have heard about administration of God's grace, which was given to me for you, says Paul. You know that. So when I talk about the mystery, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Nobody here is has a question mark over their head. We all know what that is. But a lot of people don't. And I just want you to know, you... You know, not saying you have exclusive information, but you just have followed uh, the bouncing balls so that you understand what this is being, what is being said. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. There it is, in Christ. All of this is in Christ, which is where we are. If any man is in Christ, we know what happens. Verse 10, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things 
in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, when Christ says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, he said that in Matthew 28, right? Uh, 18. But really, even though all authority has been given to him, we also read in Ephesians that Satan is the ruler and power of the air. But it's, it's coming. Because right? Christ triumphed over him by means of the cross. Christ won the victory. So when it comes to this earth, Christ is the rightful ruler of things, although God has taken time to bring many sons into glory. This is part of the eternal purpose of God. So don't think, okay, well, how come Christ isn't just collaring Satan now and throwing him into the abyss? He will. He will. Give him time. Because right now, this is the time God has chosen to bring many sons into glory. But when all of that is done, all things are going to be under one head, and that is Christ. And we're not just talking about Christ deity we're talking about the man and the deity together one person and not just christ not just christ when the plan is complete all those who are in christ as well are in part are part are spoken of here in the in the headship over all things not just christ but all those who are in christ and that will be us as well that just adds a little flavor to what we've been talking about here and to, as we read these verses. So all of that is point B in our notes. Christ is the original son and stands to inherit all from the Father. All that happened, and we read all those scriptures, and there are more. I didn't pull them all. But there are more scriptures that speak to that same point. It's not just in John 16 that we read this. It's all over the place. That th this is a fact. Point C. Christ has given authority to blank. When I say when I say blank, we have to fill in the blank. What is he given authority to do? Now, notice he's given authority. God, nobody has to give God any authority. Remember, this is the man, Christ Jesus, but not just the man, but the person of Christ who has. Uh, dominion over both natures this is who he is uh, so first scripture john let's answer that question we'll fill in the blanks i should say blanks because really it's more than one blank it's been given authority to do more than one thing so john 5 19 through 27 we'll quickly read it jesus uh, Jesus, okay, they wanted to kill Jesus for breaking the Sabbath, and he was even calling God his own father. Notice, making himself equal with God. Now, this is a man, and they wanted to kill him for this reason, because he was making himself equal with God. And they thought he was breaking the Sabbath, but he wasn't. He wasn't, but that's what they thought. And they thought, who in the world, he's calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They were right about that part. Not about that they should kill him, but that he that literally was saying those things. They didn't. They weren't confused. They were. They were rightfully listening to what he said, and that's what he was saying. So now, in verse nineteen, we're going to talk about some of the things Christ answers that objection. That's how he does it. Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, truly, very truly, I say, I tell you. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. This is one way of saying he only does what the father's plan is, what he sees in the father's plan. This is really, he's not doing something outside of what the father's plan is. This is what he means by he can only do, he can do nothing by himself. He's not going to do anything that is outside of the boundaries of what the Father wants. That's it. And this language is a little clumsy to us 2,000 and some years later, but uh, it's clear. <clears throat> he can only do what he sees the Father doing 
Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. In other words, if the Father has given everything to the Son, then whatever prerogatives the Father had, those become the prerogatives that the Son now has. Literally what he's saying here. Verse 20. And I know we can't give this much commentary to each verse. We're just going to have to move on. There's so much more to talk about. But we, we have plenty of time as long as God wills. Verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. There it is. There it is. Same thing we just said before about what love is and what that love brings. It, it is that he has placed all things on, on the Son. Everything. That's what it means. Father loves the Son. So what does he do? He shows him all he does. Uh, well, for him to, sh- to show him all that he does, he's talking about the Father's plan. If you look in the previous verse, there it is. He can do nothing by himself. He's only going to do the Father's plan. Whatever he sees the Father doing. And then, so it's not like your Father only shows him some stuff. He shows him all. That's what it says in this next verse. He loves the Son, shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So it's going to be more than you even know. For for him to say this is one thing. It's like, oh, everything that the Father I see doing, I can do. In other words, I have been given the authority to do. And, And so then, in verse 21... For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. So in this case, after he gives a broad statement about he shows them all, you know, now he's giving specific examples of things that are the prerogative only of God. That's it. We can't say that somebody else should have this prerogative. But God the Father has invested all things in Christ, including this. He's letting the, the, the Pharisees who are trying to kill him know what that means. Uh, so he says, I'll show you. There's, you ought to be amazed at this. The father raises the dead. He, the son can raise, he can, he can raise the dead. And he will raise the dead. Verse 22, Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted Notice, some judgment, no, all judgment to the Son. That's a, how can the Son judge all things? Now just remember the verse in 1 Corinthians where it says, just know, we will judge angels. The Corinthians is part of our inheritance. It doesn't depend on who the Corinthians are. It depends on the fact that they're in Christ. And yeah, while Christ has the prerogative to judge, so do we. That sounds kind of crazy, but yeah. Just like what we were talking about before. Father loves the Son, right? And that's what he's given him. So now these are examples. Verse 22, he judges no one. He has entrusted all judgment to the Son. 23, that all may, listen to this. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. That would be blasphemous if you were telling people to honor the God, the Father, the same way you honor the Son, if he was not also deity. This is part of the Father's plan. Now watch this. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. This lets us know a lot about what God thinks about who the Son is. Yeah, I'd love to talk about these verses and develop them through the documentation and, you know, points that we we do. But unfortunately, we're just going to have to briefly talk about them. This verse is huge. All may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. You know what it reminds me of? John 14.1. He's talking to disciples who are all broken up about him leaving. He says, believe, believe, as you believe in God, believe also in me. (coughs) So, 
Excuse me. <laughs> so, to me, that's huge. Right, this verse stands, is this talking about the adoration and the honor that we give to God? We ought to give it to the Son? And, and, and if we don't honor the Son in that way, that means we don't honor the Father who sent him. We're not just talking about listening to the words of Christ. We're talking about things about judging the world, raising the dead, things that only God can do. We're saying that Christ is going to be doing all those things. All judgment is being given to the Son. So verse 24, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, and we know that verse 24 is important, but Christ has become the focal point of life and death. We're talking about eternal life and eternal separation from God. He is the main point. So if you didn't learn anything else, as far as salvation is concerned, the Father has given everything over to Christ, even the matter of salvation itself. That's verse 24. 25, Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Notice who, whose voice they will hear. Son of God. He will tell everybody when it's time to get up. Everybody. When it's, time, when it's their time. He's the one that will get, get them up in terms of resurrection. 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Now God has life, but remember we're talking about Christ, the person who has authority over both natures, who is present in both natures. That person is who we're talking about here, who has life now in himself. Verse 27, And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Notice, this is the new designation, the Son of Man, Son of God. They're used interchangeably. But you should know it is not just about God. This is about what God has done to extend his authority, his power, his plan, his deity, his wisdom, his knowledge. All, the all of that is in the person of Christ. Verse 28, don't be amazed at this. Their jaws must have been on the ground. And, and he goes on, and I, I, I could go on, but we won't because there's much more that could be said. Uh, but we will have to truncate it because of time. Philippians 2, 8 through 11. Let's look at that. Philippians 2, 8 through 11. Now we're filling in the blanks. Christ has given... Authority to raise the dead, judge the world. All the people in their graves are going to wake up. Salvation is all in his hands. It's not in God's hands. It's in his hands. And who is he? He's God. But he's... We are also in Christ, like we said. But all of that belongs to the person of Christ. We are to, we are to honor him in the same way we honor God. Philippians 2, 8 through 11, what has God done? And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and be, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess, confess, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I read these classic verses. I can't help putting the King James twist on it. It's in my head, I'm sorry. 
I'm seeing the word acknowledge here, but uh, I get caught up and I'm thinking confess because that's what the King James says. In any case, <clears throat> acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Look at the that verse. It's the exaltation of what God has done in Christ. That's how, I mean, there's no other way to see it. He, all, every In heaven and on earth, well, we just saw it in Matthew 28, 18, all power, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Yeah, that's, so we can fill in the blanks. There's a lot to fill in that Christ has given the power, the authority. Point D, keep in mind the Father's plan is not only to exalt Christ, but to reveal us in him. Now, when I read Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, let's read it. <clears throat> now, we read all this about Christ, uh, how he is exalted by God and who he is. And, and even in this analogy where it talks about the mystery, you know, <clears throat> it says the hope of our calling and so forth. And he says, let me give you an example of the kind of power. And then he talks about Christ, how. He was raised far above all rule and authority and dominion and every name that is invoked in this present age and is the one to come. God, Here's our verse. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Notice, here's that word again, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So all those things we talked about when it came to the person of Christ, the authority, the fullness of deity, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, whatever Christ is, we are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We complete Christ. So the Father's plan was to bring many sons into glory. He says, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Our, the plan for us is that we might be conformed to the very image and likeness of his son. That's our, and how is that done? It's done through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it is his body. We are the fullness of him. We complete him. Remember, this is all talking about us in the first place. Because it's talking about that power is like what it says and that's verse 19 the power is the same as his mighty strength when he exerted is like that and he uses this analogy we are the fullness of Christ when the father planned everything for who Christ was going to be and what his authority and who he was we complete him without us Christ cannot be who he is Christ cannot fulfill the father's plan without us that's what we need to say. Now, it almost sounds a bit arrogant to say that, but that's, that's what we have to know. If we're the fullness of him, well, then that means he's not complete without who we are, without us showing up and coming on the scene, without him calling out those many sons in the glory. Until we, those many sons are complete, Christ's fullness is not full. He is not fulfilling the purpose for which in eternity past God planned what God wanted so that's important to note and Ephesians 1 22 and 23 says that we complete Christ point E for Christ to say that all that belongs to the Father belongs to him we are seeing mutual possession on display Remember, and that's John 10, 38. Let's look at that. I know all these things we cover, but not from this perspective, right? So John 10 and 38. Now, Christ is arguing again with the Pharisees, and they wanted to kill him again. Why? Because <clears throat> verse 33 says, We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, here it is, claim to be God. Did they not understand him? Yeah, they, they understood him. 
And that's, they figured, that's blasphemous. Instead of listening, but listen to Christ's defense of it at the end in verse 38. Well, we could, we could verse 37. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. In other words, like he said before in John 5. But if I do them, and he has been doing them in their face, even though you do not believe me, Let's just reason this out for yourself. You should reason this out. Believe the very works. In other words, believe the works. Because you're seeing things that only God can do. And you're seeing them done through me. So obviously I have a connection with the Father that you don't. That you don't. So these works that I do, only God can do. I am doing that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. All that mutual possession talks about what happens when Christ is in the Father and the Father is in Christ. Christ is fully available to the Father. Literally, the Father was doing the works. When they hated Christ, Christ says, you you don't hate me. What you're telling me is you hate the Father because he's the one that's been telling you the things that that you're saying you hate. I'm not here for my own self, Jesus said. I'm here to show that the Father's plan is glorified. I'm executing the Father's plan. Do exactly what the Father's commanded me. So you, for you to hate this, that's why it says everybody should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Well, why is that? Because the Father is in the Son. And if you hate the Son, that means you hate the Father who sent him. That's how it goes. This is mutual possession. That's how we ought to see how that works. F, point F. Christ is given all that belongs to the Father because it is how many sons are being brought into glory. That's how it's done. So he's, when he says all that belongs to the Father is mine, <clears throat> well, it is the Father who chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. How is he doing it? Romans 8, 29 and 30. We know it's by means of the Spirit. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, says, for those God foreknew. So now, first of all, for us to know this information uh, is outside human understanding. Because these things happen not just before the church age, not just before the age of Israel, not just before creation of the world. They happened from eternity past, before all things were created. Now, how could you know that? How could you know this information? Is there any way that you could have figured this out? I mean, there is, there is no creation. This is all about the plan that God has to create all things. And this is, part, this is the motivation for it. This is why God did that. Not only do we have the ha- the why, but we also have the how of what he's doing. For those God foreknew, which we could never know, because he has to reveal. The only way we're going to know that information is by the Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. And when that's what we got. That's how we know it. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So there you have detailed information about who we are and our relationship to Christ. We are predestined, marked out. Our lives are marked out in the same way his is. His destiny becomes our destiny. His life becomes our life. His, even uh, the inheritance that he has been given, all things that belong to the Father are mine, is ours as well. All things are yours, says Paul. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So there's relationship between us and the person of Christ. There's authority. The, the one who's preeminent over us is Christ. He's the Lord. Just like we read in the Ephesians passage. He is the head over the body. Fullness of him. And verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So this stretches... Not only from eternity past, right on through time, right on through time into the eternal future. 
when, when it says he also glorified. Yeah, that's, that's literally what it says. Yeah, so this is, let's read the point again. Christ has given all that belongs to the Father because this is how many sons are being brought into glory. It's through the baptism of the Spirit that all those things happen in time. But it is through the planning of God, the purpose, the calling, the election of God, that these happened before time began. And there are verses that literally say that. I don't know how we, we would get out of that. Or somebody would say otherwise. Point G. And the plan, the Father invests everything in Christ. That's, this is part of the plan. He in, everything, we already saw how he invested everything in Christ. And the Spirit baptizes us into Christ. And this is all according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, <clears throat> I could... I could say we need to take a breather here and stop and think about this. But I will finish the next couple verses and then we will. This is where we'll find a nice point to just stop and we'll continue to rest next week. But this, this is the work of the Father, how Father planned it. Christ is the one... Every, he's the focal point. Everything He invests everything in Christ. The Spirit is the, the agent in the plan who baptizes us into the body of Christ. Right? According, and, and all of this is according to that eternal purpose. That what happened before time began. And that's in Ephesians 3.11. Point H, it's obvious to me that the Romans did not invent Roman-style adoption. So what we get... We talk about our adoption, and we say it's Roman style. What does that mean? That's the greatest transfer of wealth and power. That's what Roman style adoption is. And that's used for us with God, the greatest transfer of wealth and power. Well, when we say transfer, well, what does it mean for us to be adopted as sons? We're heirs of God. That's what it means. Heirs of God. So, God is the one who invented Roman-style adoption, not us, not the Romans. This is used, this metaphor is used by God to help us understand what our position is in Christ and what we stand to inherit as a result of us being in him. Point I. Christ said, <clears throat> I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. I want to know if you're listening to what Christ said. He's saying you got a whole lot more to say. Are you listening to that much more? Well, I could say in this church, we've been talking about it. We certainly have. And if you're not listening, you know, you, you're probably pretty bored of me right now talking about all this stuff. Because if it's not interesting to you, and this is all we're talking about, then you're probably growing bored. But the question is, are you listening? I want, I want to know, are you listening? Christ says, I got much more to say to you. Are you hearing what he's saying? Now, of course, I know you, you're here. Many of you are hearing it. But the question also goes to all those who are in Christ. Wherever they are, whatever church they belong to, are you listening to what Christ said when he had, I have much more to say to you? More than you can now bear. Oh, he's told us that much more. But the question becomes, are you listening? 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, Who can know the mind of Christ? Who can know it? But then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. In other words, that much more information is here. Are you listening to it? Romans 12.2 uh, stop being conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 3.18 By one spirit, we are being transformed into his image from glory to glory. Are you listening to what he's saying? 
we will have to stop at this point because next week we'll talk about that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. We'll talk about that and all the points developed therein. I think we've had enough to think about at this juncture. And let's just let this settle in our minds as before we go on. Let's, let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for the privilege. We're, we're grateful. Our calling, your choosing, our predestination, all that you have destined for our glory before time began. The wisdom, treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the fullness of deity that resides in bodily form. Thank you, Father, for everything you have done for us. And some of it we're still coming to the knowledge of. We're still trying to wrap our spiritual minds around it so that our souls can appreciate it. We thank you for each person that is here. We thank you for this church. And we pray for, uh, for those who are struggling as well in the spiritual life, <laughs> which, which will be all of us from time to time. Father, we pray for strength. We pray for wisdom to know how to manage our lives here in the world. We pray also for believers wherever they are, whatever nation they're in or happen to be at this hour, that they will come to the fullness and stature of Christ. We will all be on the same page when it comes to the glorious revelation that is ours. All this we ask in the person of Christ, who is the very focal point. He's our Lord. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.